last pod of the week we're gonna get to another one of danny's battle plans is that that's what you call them for the uh the southwest division this time yeah i've called them that i am open to suggestions also i don't think it's important enough to necessarily have a name but that's the one we're using <laughs> and the the southwest is a you know, i i kind of chose that division because there's some some really compelling teams not necessarily in terms of identifying the core but in terms of classifying and all that and i think a good place to start there is the new orleans pelicans the pelicans though they entered the hiatus 28 and 36 there were certainly lots of reasons for optimism including brandon ingram his improvement throughout the season and zion williamson's late debut but i would say relatively impressive debut so the first question we like to do with these is who is and who should be their core I think the only two that you can say for sure at this point is Ingram and Zion. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I would say Zion is more firmly a part of it than Ingram in the long term. I mean, I, I fully expect Ingram to be re-signed and or matched. I mean, just he'll be, he'll be on the Pelicans next year. But if if there is, you know, let's say a, a poor fit, like the kind of like some we've thought about at times with Embiid and Simmons, it feels pretty clear to me, at least at this point, that Ingram would be the one to go. Yeah, it's it seems that way. And with the way those two players have defended so far in their careers, it does seem to make it difficult to come up with a really good defense. But they did, when they had favors out there, they're able to defend at a reasonable rate. And so I don't know that that's going to be fatal. And those two will hopefully both get better. They're both very young. And you have the problem too where yeah ingram not perfect defensively but i mean he is still essentially the only guy who's small forward size with any athleticism whatsoever that they've had on this team in the last five years they just there are a lot of teams that don't even have a small forward at all and so if you were to decide to move on from him then you who's going to replace him they're immediately going to need a small forward you're not going to trade him likely for another small forward unless it's like a star level of player which has not generally been the case uh, that new orleans can attract that sort and remember what feels like a long time ago when the issue we were most concerned about with Zion and Ingram was floor spacing. And while Zion did have that hot shooting debut game, he ended up, you know, being not not taking a lot of volume from three. He did technically shoot 46%, but we're talking an incredibly small number. But Ingram's growth there is significant and we got to a larger sample there 39 percent on eight and a half threes per 100 possessions which is a, a volume i that i'm happy enough with and when you consider that a portion of those were self-created then that you know that ratchets up the difficulty increases it so yeah defense is my far larger concern but ingram this was his age 22 season zion this was his age 19 season we could see some improvement from both those guys kind of have to hope so and again like it it is a common theme in these and when we do kind of the the younger high potential teams of the problems defensively are to me are more kind of first world problems like if they get into the trying to get into the conference finals nba finals type of tier i think they can be good enough in the regular season to win a bunch of games without it but zion williamson is good enough and and brandon ingram is moving towards that where you it's appropriate to talk about that higher conversation absolutely now we don't need to hit on this as much because we in a mailbag question yesterday we got to a lot of these issues of what the plan would be over the next couple of years but just to summarize what i thought was you go forward with this group next year you suggested trying to re-sign favors to a one-year deal they'll be able to pay him more than anyone else is going to he'll likely be limited to the mid-level exception uh, slightly less than 10 million under the current cap estimate 
elsewhere Pels uh, will be able to pay him more than that even considering Ingram's max extension but Holiday also is another inflection point where he can opt out at the end of 2021 we didn't really get a chance to see what this team could do when they had everyone together they looked pretty darn good and looked like a, a solid playoff team and so Holiday might in theory need to be resigned favors might need to be resigned at the end of 2021 but you can see what's going on with this group at that point and see hey is this team really like you know going to be getting to a conference finals type of level with this group should we keep them together or do we go for a new plan where we're going to continue to rebuild uh, around ingram and uh, around zion how does lonzo ball fit into all of this for you i like lonzo and he did so improvement as a shooter this year i still want to see you know ideally more versatility with his jump shot i think that would be would be a nice step i, I still like his passing and his defense but not getting to the free throw line you know he, i like him much more as a transition player than a half court offensive initiator and this team is going to need somebody to do that whether it's ball or or another another player and ball is also a great example of the flashpoint that this team has in 2021 so you brought up drew holiday having that player option but also reddick will be an unrestricted free agent lonzo ball and josh hart will be restricted free agents which means they will be extension eligible this offseason and that is a a real challenge for David Griffin because yes it, I agree with you that they should use the 20 slash 21 season to evaluate but they're gonna have to decide really fast especially because if some of the guys like Lonzo and Josh Hart most notably if they're not a part of your immediate it's a lot better to move them at the deadline than to wait until restrictive for agency because sign-in trades are incredibly challenging yeah and maybe there's a world in which Lonzo Ball is your one Josh Hart is your two Brandon Ingram is your three Zion is the four and maybe even even Jackson Hayes uh, is your five. Maybe there's a, a world where that's your core right there. Remember, they also have some picks coming forward from the Lakers. And so they'll need to do some evaluation hard. And Lonzo, you mentioned, I mean, it is hard for me to see if they're going to re-sign Holiday. Hopefully Hayes would be ready to start by the 21-22 season. So you got the center position pretty cheaply managed. But, and it, it's an interesting question of what they'd be willing to pay Lonzo. I mean, clearly to me, I'm especially given the fact that he just now is starting to shoot this well. And he still it never gets to the foul line. He still has a lot of weaknesses in his game. You know, I mean, you really, I mean, I actually think Lonzo and Ingram are a decent fit together now with both of them improved shooters. You could put the ball in Ingram's hands a little bit more, but they still, Ingram is kind of more of a get your own than a guy you, who can run a lot of pick and roll and really distribute. Maybe he can get better at that, but he doesn't quite put as much pressure on the rim. He actually was way down in terms of his rim attempts this year to be like, all right, he's going to be the guy we're going to every single time and Lonzo you just spot up over here and so you do run into some issues maybe Nikhil Alexander Walker could eventually develop into being a, a player who gives them some supplemental pick and roll ability to where if you got him and Ingram that that's enough it ball handling in the half court because uh, Lonzo again is not really a pick and roll guy maybe Lonzo could take a few steps forward there but that seems pretty unlikely to that you'd be putting the ball in his hands and keep possessions in pick and roll so they, they've got a lot to figure out but uh, they have plenty of draft picks uh, as well going forward that can hopefully be cheaper coming in they're, they're clearly in a good position it's just the question of you know, I, I think they're going to be a perennial playoff team with this group you would hope but just how do you get beyond that so they're going to need to either get one more big piece 
or they're going to need a lot of internal development here. It also will be uh, along those lines. It's going to be hard for them to use cap space because of the structure of their books. Even Lonzo Ball is a big cap hold. Even if they theoretically let him go, they're, they're paying Ingram this summer. Drew Holiday, if they're going to keep him around, then that becomes like, basically just fitting all of this together when based on when the guys are going to get paid. Unless you really do tear it down more zealously in 21, that's going to be difficult. So if, let's say, Jackson Hayes isn't the answer or Lonzo isn't, it, the pivoting is harder for them than it is for some other teams because they just have a lot. They That was the kind of the downside, as it were, of the, the Lakers sending back all these young players who were already in the league was that their raises were coming sooner. Ingram, Ball, Hart. Now, let's say you put Ingram on a max contract that starts this summer going into the summer of 2021. As of right now, they would be slated to have without Hart and without Redick or Favors or Ball right around probably 50 million in space. Ball has a massive cap hold having been the number two overall pick. His cap hold is like pretty close to the max. He's not going to get the max, but you would want to come to an agreement with him so that then you could use potentially some of that other space. He's in a case where his cap hold actually be more than his salary is going to end up being in all likelihood. And Hart, you know, we'll see whether it's worth it for an extension for him or not. You know, his cap hold is smaller. That's about 10 million. So that's something that you can work with a little bit more if you decide you want to keep him around. So they will have some space to work with. They is they could have you know around the order of maybe 30 million or so you'd think they could have a potential max slot at that point but they're going to have a lot of needs to fill so i do think they could get any cat space survey of course that's what everyone and their brother is doing in the summer of 2021 dallas even if you're thinking hey i want to go to a young team and grow with them they've got dallas as a competitor with arguably as much or more young talent than they have memphis will be out there at that time as well there'll be a lot of up-and-coming teams in the summer of 2021 to mention Toronto, Miami, possibly. I mean, there are going to be a lot of teams that have space in the summer of 2021. So you would think that they you, they would hopefully be at a point then where they could, you're probably not going to get a star, but they might be good enough at that point where they're like, okay, we'll overpay for one more good wing or, you know, maybe a second tier type one. Or maybe they re-sign Drew Holiday as well. And then it could maybe still have room to bring something but the hope is that they're good enough that they would it's worth it to overpay a little bit and really hopefully get into contention around that time i my last thing i'll ask you danny do you think that how old do you think zion williamson will be when he peaks 25 26 I think he has some real skill development to do. I worry about his body. It's just, I mean, he puts so much strain on his joints in particular with how heavy he is and, and the force, the for, you know, force equals mass times acceleration with, with Zion. That, that is genuinely scary. But I think the general idea of the curve of, you know, physical, physical development is, is, is generally going down and you're getting a little bit slower and all that. And, but then you're also getting a lot more skilled and smarter. I think that those, those will help him. So I think like a lot of big, guys both in height and in weight he'll peak a little earlier but i still think it's going to be in his in his mid to late 20s i think it will be earlier i think i think it could be on more of a blake griffin type of timeline because i don't i think that now blake was just as bad of a shooter as zion early on to be sure and blake did develop that shooting but i think he is an outlier in terms of how good of a shooter he's been able to come given his limitations early on I think it's going to be 23, 24, 25. That's when I think it's going to be. Because even with Blake, we saw by 25, he had lost significant athleticism. That was even before some of the injuries started hitting. And I, I, and that's true. Like if you're, your raw athleticism, like the highest point you could touch on the backboard or, 
or your biggest amount of explosives. That's usually, you know, 23. 20, it, it can't even be earlier than that. that. Like, Pelton's done the work yeah. on, on rebounding numbers as, as a proxy for it, and they generally start dropping after a guy's rookie year. Yeah, and part of that could just be because guys are like, hey, I got to find a way to get on the floor. You're, you're hustling harder than you ever would be, that kind of thing. But sure. Uh, so I this is one where we've criticized the Pelicans before for going in too quickly to try to win with Anthony Davis as opposed to waiting to try and get a second star. The other thing is, too, they've got two players that they hope could be stars uh, already to hopefully all-star level players ingram maybe uh, we'll see but i think and, the, and they have more in there. the war chest now than the pelicans did because remember they traded right. away picks to get drew traded away picks for omar Ashik, whereas giving up ad they got you know they, they might not be blue chip assets in terms of the picks but they will have some value yeah and they've got these young guys already in the pipeline which the pels didn't really have anyone else young in the pipeline or they kind of went around they had austin gordon rivers was, but that didn't work out super well yeah eric gordon was supposed to be the second star around ad and and he just never was able to stay healthy in new orleans uh, and reach that level one other thing this is just something i like doing in these uh so we talked about the core probably being zion and and ingram hopefully other players can work their way in uh what do you think is the calling card of that core and uh what flaws do you think are most important to to like prioritize in other players around them defense and uh zion's lack of shooting i mean i, I think your real my number one target we, we talked about ball handling my, my number one target would be a center who can shoot on one end and protect the rim on the other i, I think that's that is the type of player and there's not that many of those obviously i think there'll be more as time goes on and those skills particularly shooting get more prioritized uh, among well, big well and also but. that buys you outs in case zion never gets there defensively and i mean he's the, yeah. fil- the film on it was bad early going early on and there's a chance that that player ends up being a little bit nullified if the zion at the five lineups end up being your best but i think it's worth it to sacrifice resources to get that on the on the odds that he won't yeah, and we'll know more about it at the end of next year, hopefully. I think the, the, the plan of just going forward with this group that looked pretty good is what I'd be and focusing on. I, I to me, Miles Turner should be the should be the target if they could possibly do it. If if for whatever reason he's on the outs at all in Indiana, if he's if he's available, you know, obviously there's a price that they wouldn't pay. But he bridges a lot of gaps for them. And to get that, you know, a defense a stable defensive player who doesn't screw with your spacing the way that Favors does would be would be a godsend for them and i mean to me the target that that they should be looking for and maybe ingram improves enough to even make this a little bit moot is to have brandon ingram be your fourth best shooter in your closing five if and if they can do that with the other constraints then then we're starting talk conference finals nba finals i take a quick break here and we'll get back to let's do memphis next since we're the seems like new orleans and memphis are going to be kind of tied together here uh, for a while the memphis grizzlies uh, you recall at the trade deadline uh low those many months and seemingly a lifetime ago in terms of current events made the trade at the trade deadline they vaporized their cap space for the summer of 2020 they still have it in the summer of 2021 they brought in justice winslow who does have a team option in the summer of 2021 so they're basically gonna be limited to the mid-level this summer and then summer of 2021 they should have 35 million in space if they wanted to move on from the team option of winslow they could get up to nearly 50 million in space assuming of course no further commitment and 
that is probably, since I'm looking at their salary cap sheet, that's probably going to be their time to strike because Jaron Jackson Jr.'s raise through extension or new contract will come for the 22-23 season, meaning maybe maybe some of that gets outstripped by, you know, Kyle Anderson and Tyus Jones coming off the books, so maybe they could wait another year. But it's 21, probably maybe 22 is going to be their time to strike. So you want to answer that same question that you posed for New Orleans about the core? I would say that Jaws is like an unquestionable tier one core guy. And then Jaron is a strong tier two. I was a little bit discouraged by his development this year. That was something we went extensively through in the top 10 prospects pod a little while well, ago. Well, hold on. I mean, the shooting was just defensive. Yeah. I mean, and the, the shooting development was awesome. I mean, I think I feel better about him now than I did at the start of the year because of that. I, 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 even- I don't because to me, a really good shooter who can't defend the center position doesn't fit in as well as a, you know, a defender that can shoot well enough. You know, it's a, it's a harder nut to crack in my opinion. Yeah. I, I see your point, but he still does have that defensive potential. Sure. And I don't think anyone realized that he had this shooting potential. Um, so, so yeah, I, I guess so. What you're, what you're saying is moving forward from this point, it's more it's more likely that he develops what we what he doesn't have than it was before. That that's a fair that's a fair point. Yeah, and so I think he deserves a lot of credit. Yes, and so does the the coaching staff. But I, I agree the the fact that he's not oh man this guy's going to be our defensive monster and he's going to be a center. Now he shoots it so well that playing a power forward is actually fine. You know, I mean that's another thing that you could potentially look at is having a more traditional center and then jared you know he can still block shots his rebounding issues aren't as much of a problem at the four you could play him some at the five but it's actually much more realistic now to play him in a traditional too big alignment than it would have been before so i don't know if it's the end of the world if he can't guard the five but obviously having this switchable shot blocking monster at the five who could also shoot the way he could would be ideal and Jaron Jackson Jr. was actually the Grizzlies' three-point leader in attempts per 100 possessions, 10.5. So that was significantly more than Brandon Ingram, who we just talked about, making 40% of those. Next of their kind yeah, of... He, rate- he had one of the top five best uh, three-point shooting seasons by a guy his height ever, basically. Yeah. And Jared, that was his age. This has been his age twenty season, and it's John Morant's age twenty season as well, because Morant, you know, took took some time a little bit at, at Murray State to get to the pros. And those two guys fit together beautifully to me. And part of what makes me so excited about Memphis is they have a pretty clear idea of what they need. And sometimes that clarity is is good for a front office because the, especially if it's just like we need good wings, Dylan Brooks can help be a part of the solution, but they just need to throw a bunch of resources. That's obviously part of the idea with Justice Winslow, but they still need to throw more at that. And kind of having a clarity of need can be good for a front office because then it, whether it's cap space or trading young players or some of the picks, they don't have like an arsenal, but some of the, what, what they have remaining just to go after that is going to be important yeah I, I would consider dylan brooks to be part of the core of this group i mean you could even throw brandon clark in there as well i mean maybe not as a starter but someone who's going to be around a long time as your first big off the bench at a minimum i think you can give that and they clearly see winslow as that it's just that one the concern that i have is they're going to be really dependent on jaron being this awesome shooter and being in the lineup and on the floor because 
because they just don't have nearly enough shooting uh, unless he's out there bombing away. Dylan Brooks this year shot, he, he was 37%, so that was good. But, I mean, we've, the, the concern with Justice Winslow, sent, you know, he's obviously missed a bunch of time with back, is his volume. Yeah, he, he's, there have been times when the shot has gone in, but does he make enough of them? Does he take enough of them for defenses to respect it? And if you place those four guys, Ja, Jaron, Winslow, and Brooks out there together, that fifth player has a lot to do. Now, they will have the resources to get a fifth player who can do that, assuming somebody wants to take their money, but it is a, it is a challenging ask. And then Memphis, though, what makes them a little different than New Orleans is they have more flexibility because they just don't have as much overall on their books, partially because they're young, they're good young players or they're getting paid later. So if this doesn't work, it's easier for them to pivot. What do you see as their path to contention? Like, what does the 55 win Memphis Grizzlies team look like? Monst- like what, what are they so good at that they're getting to that type of a level? I think they could be really good in transition offense. John Morant can can help lead, can help lead some of that. They can also throw some resources at second unit players, and Brandon Clark, I think, can be intriguing there too. And then be good enough at half court offense that they're I would say the hope would be that they could get to be top 10 top five is a little bit rosy with what they have right now and then defensively that Jaron figures it out you know Morant what it wasn't he had some moments but I didn't love him on that in the four but they have some wings they can compete and they have and if if Jaron can play the four then you can play another big without sacrificing your floor spacing so maybe the idea being that they're they're not top five in either but they're top 10 in both offense and defense yeah and and Clark could be a, a big part of that as well whoever they get in free agency in 2021 could be a big part of that and they have they have they have the fundamentals to also have a good bench and so they if they can be good be strong enough in those units that they're that having a you know a very good but not elite starting five then then that combination is is actually really potent yeah i mean you could see a group with clark jackson winslow brooks being a very switchable group two through five if the jackson and clark uh, can take the steps uh, that people hope uh, for them and you know they've still got valentunas around for another couple of years uh, as well maybe maybe they go the route of trying to get another really good center or they go the route i, I think the other long-term need that they have is getting one more pretty good creator uh, or just one like awesome shooter type of guy who can really like come off screens and bend the defense that way uh i think they need one more perimeter guy other than ja who really is going to draw some defensive attention and i would really like it to be it'd be great to have another creator but have it be somebody off ball because then if justice winslow can do something with the ball in his hands that other player can generate churn in the defense and draw eyeballs and make life a little easier on everybody else. And yeah, I mean, Reddick, not not current age Reddick, but as, as kind of a prototype of, of the type of guy that you're looking for. Ideally, somebody with a little bit more size, but now, now we're getting a little bit greedy. So I want to ask yeah, you, remember, what do you, course, what do you they're think? they're out the draft pick this year. Let's not yeah. forget that. And they also have DeAnthony Melton as a restricted free agent who they should be able to re-sign, you know, uh, thinking something in the $5 million a year range will probably be where, where he could end up. You know, a Dorian Finney-Smith style of contract uh, would make sense for him. Also, if they want to use it, Memphis has a uh, trade exception. I have it worth $7.7 7 from the r- remaining from the Conley trade. And 
I don't know exactly who's going to be, you know, a, because I don't think they should use like draft picks or any of their intriguing young players to send back as a sweetener, a player who is both good enough to be worth it and also bad enough that the other team doesn't want them. But maybe they could get some, maybe get a rotation player with that. It'd be useful. Uh, so I want to ask you though, before we before we kind of get off of Memphis, both their two best players, the, the ones we thought were their core, had their age 20 season. Where, how do you see the timeline, the, the peak of this team, at least those two players building around it? Ja is another one where point guards generally peak a little bit later, but he is very dependent on athleticism. So perhaps it's somebody in the 26, 27 time range uh, for him. And Jackson, you know, I could see being maybe a little bit later than that. Yeah, that feels totally fair to me. So that also gives them a while. You know, that, 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 there's a little yeah. bit less, a little bit less time pressure and then maybe opening up the books in a future year, depending, I mean, Jackson's getting paid in 22, John 23, and Memphis, assuming, you know, everything else, I think considering their revenue and everything else, they are a franchise that I... I would be a little bit concerned about the long-term spending. You know, you can't go, can't fill up the boat and then pay the other guys because then they're getting into tax land. And I don't think that's realistic to project for Memphis unless they establish themselves as a real championship contender. Let's turn now to the Spurs. This is one we've talked a lot about what they should do in previous episodes. And it's, there's more to talk about with a New Orleans or a Memphis where it seems they've at least turned the corner. They have a group that they've believe can lead them back to being a solid playoff team and uh, I fear that San Antonio is just very much at the beginning of their rebuild here and that they're just gonna finally have to accept a a little bit of pain here even if perhaps that doesn't happen until the retirement of Greg Popovich I think as long as he's there I'd presume that they're gonna do as much as they can in a given year to remain competitive without you know trading future draft picks or, or young players agreed and it does happened to time up that the 2021 offseason could be the inflection point for them because LaMarcus Aldridge they guaranteed his contract for the upcoming season but then he expires DeMar Rosen assuming he picks up his player option worth 27.7 million Patty Mills also expires that year yeah. Rudy there, Gay there was a report from uh, Jabari Young that yes. he is unhappy and might be opting out I will believe that when I see it and if that happens San Antonio should be very very happy because that will yeah. it's not now, like it'll open up big spending power for them but it just clarifies things yeah we've talked about how at least I have I can't remember what your position on it was that I would just try to even move DeRozan for nothing more than salary cap relief just get get him off the team because he just blocks everything that you he blocks Murray and White due to his lack of shooting he really limits your defense because he has to play the three and he can't guard that position or any position and while he has his uses it's just for where this team needs to go to just end the era to, to begin things I don't think they would do that again that's what we were saying about Popovich, but I don't think they'd miss him that much. And he's just just gums up the works of any other development or playing guys at the right position or having enough shooting or having enough defense. It's just it's really difficult to build the team around him. Current DeRozan specifically matched with this burst talent. I think he lowers their ceiling more than he raises their floor. 
And considering their ceiling isn't super high in the first place, that's a big problem. And I want to leave the question to you because I am absolutely flummoxed. You might have to do the two-prong like near-term and long-term, but what is the core of this team? Like, what? okay, let's put it this way. What is the core of the next great Spurs team? Yeah, it's hard to see that come into focus, right? I mean, you've got Lonnie Walker, DeJounte Murray, and Derek White. All three of those guys are somewhat redundant with one another. And then before you even throw DeRozan into the mix, um, Jakob Pertl, all right, you know, he could be a 20, 25-minute-a-game center, perhaps, if things go well. And then uh, that's about it. Is, is that group, uh, maybe Keldon Johnson could show some flashes at some point, but it has hasn't shown enough to say that he's really someone that you're counting on in the future and so I feel that that group is not enough to lead you into even being a playoff team necessarily and certainly not being a team that is you know really a home court advantage or contending for home court advantage in the first round. They also run into the challenge of age. Samanich, Luka Samanich and Lonnie Walker and Keldon Johnson, those guys are in their early 20s. Derek White, this this has been his age 25 season. Murray, 23. Granted, Murray is also paid for a while now because he's already, he's already entering the second contract four years and $63.8 million after this season. And so I don't know that their front office, this is another challenge. So I was frustrated that we didn't get enough Murray plus White minutes because a question is how do those guys fit together? But then another question is if, if it's not both of those guys together, then you probably have to move off of one of them. Murray paid for four years, but White is going to be extension eligible this offseason will be a otherwise a restricted for agent 21 i don't know that they even have enough information to make that decision like if you don't want to have both of them which one do you move and how does that work yeah i don't see white extending because you run into this situation where guys just don't extend for less than starter money and i don't think they're going to offer him that and his cap hold is 10.5 million so the the it's not like the spurs have a lot of impetus like oh we have to we have to figure that out to square all this stuff up that's like you can wait it out and see yeah and i mean let's be clear if i were in charge of this team i would be tanking my ass off next year and trying to get into that loaded 2021 draft that that would be my plan easily goodbye aldridge goodbye DeRozan, and play the young guys see see who you've got Keldon johnson you're starting at the three rudy gay uh it will move on from you patty mills thanks for your service uh, you can go play for a contender and uh, maybe try to take on bad contracts I, that probably wouldn't be realistic because i don't know how many of those are out there but yeah that that would be my plan but i past history as opposed to future history past history would indicate that uh they're not going to go in that direction perhaps if popovich were to retire uh it might be considered i do still like DeJounte Murray's defensive potential, but my concerns about his ability to reliably create good shots for himself and others, those are still... A couple of these guys could be starters. Yeah. I'm not like... But like, do you think Murray can be the initiator, the linchpin of a top half offense? Perhaps it's possible that with like the crazy Spurs development, he could become the point guard version of Kawhi Leonard. But no, I my I'm not ruling it out, but I wouldn't count it by any means. And so I I think you know he he could become the 15th best point guard in the NBA, maybe, but more focused on the defensive side of the ball. Should we move on here? Yeah, uh, I'll let I'll give you the choice. We have the we have the Rockets and the Mavs. Which one would you rather start with? Let's do the Mavs because Houston is going to be short. (laughs) That's very true. Yeah, I mean Dallas. They're in kind of the same conversation as the first two teams we talked about as a a young team with a lot of potential. Luka Doncic showed his 
MVP chops already in his second year that was really stunning and then yeah dude this division if everyone stays healthy is gonna be a monster New Orleans Memphis and Dallas and those are the three best young teams maybe in the whole league and and especially in the Western Conference I mean so there there are a lot of good teams in other divisions right now but a lot of them we think are going to age out probably right as these teams start rising so the Lakers and the Warriors and who knows about the Clippers their uncertainty so really yeah I would say with them and probably Denver are pro- are the the potential teams. I know there are some that will probably say maybe Minnesota is there or a couple others, but to me that's the strongest. Those are the strongest groups. But getting back to Dallas, Luca, this was his age, his age twenty season MVP candidate throughout, maybe the best offensive player in the entire NBA. Kristaps Porzingis, after missing basically a season and a half with a ACL injury, came back had a. I would say very good age 24 season. He is obviously signed for the long term. Luca is under team control for the long term. And Dallas, they have a, a different dynamic than the other two we talked about because a lot of their lot a lot of their support players make sense with this group and are under contract for another couple of years. Absolutely. To me, they just got to get better defensively. Yep. They, they, they've got. I mean, they had the best offense in NBA history this year. So yeah, improving defensively would probably <laughs> yeah, be the way to yeah. go. Yeah, I suppose so. Now I'd be very interested to see what that would look like in a playoff setting agreed that offense yeah and how good luca will be i I think it'll be pretty pretty decent but they may have some growing pains there but yeah they've they really just need that one more monster three and d guy and i think they could be pretty close to ready to roll it and they've got kleba around as well he he might be in theory better coming off the bench but he and porzingis in the front court might not be bad then maybe you could you would look to upgrade on jorian finney smith who's done a great job for what was expected of him but might be better as a bench wing and i think just some overall an overall increase in team athleticism on the wing is is their biggest weakness here but they i I assume they're going to go hunting for the absolute biggest fish in that summer of 2021 Dallas will have to hope that 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 player says yes. And what makes them different from Memphis is that I fully expect that if they can get that big game person, Mark Cuban is totally fine going into the tax then to re-sign Luka on top of that. And ownership is the biggest competitive advantage. You talk about how the negative is more impactful than the positive and the, the Dolan, Sterling sarver cases but having an owner that is unquestionably willing to spend is a huge competitive advantage too and dallas can credibly go to those for agents and say you come here we already have this group together and the sales pitch of saying you're the last piece i think is easier than uh, other than the you can play with whoever you want one i think that's a great a great sales pitch because there's no faith or imagination that is required it's here is our team we're throwing you in that's let's roll yeah and they're really good already too i mean i fully expect them to be winning over 50 games next year uh, to be uh, in the mix for a top four seed in the west uh, next season they have a really good coach uh, as well although perhaps not one that like everyone just would love to play for uh, in rick carlisle or be in a press but. conference with <laughs> Yeah, I, I almost tweeted uh, McMahon had uh, after Carlisle was in the last dance uh, and the, the narrator is like, or, or the uh, announcer in the 60, or no, it was actually the first game of that series, game one in 1986 against the 
Celtics. It's like, oh, Rick Carlisle wants his mommy. And so McMahon uh, got in touch with him and got like one text message back and built like the whole story about that. I almost tweeted him like, uh, hey, a real journalist would have been able to get more than one text message back <laughs> about this. But uh, I refrained. I figured I would just talk about it on the show. Instead. There we go. Uh, much and nicer. So something I really like about Dallas's salary structure is that they have players that I like as, you know, bench plus. So players that you, you can start, but maybe are better that who are paid like bench players. DeLon Wright, you know, about eight million, eight and a half million a year. Maxi Kleba, eight and a half million a year. Seth Curry, eight million a year. And so that means if those guys aren't starting, you could play them as backups, not a problem. Or you could theoretically move on from them if you needed a little bit of extra flexibility, or you found somebody who duplicated them, but you like better for some reason. And so while I like DeLon, I like Seth Curry, I like Maxi Kleba with them, that flexibility is is unusual, and I think it could end up being important for Dallas. I think I've mentioned this before, but I thought that Victor Oladipo would be an outstanding Ooh. fit with this group. Not quite the size that you want, maybe, but even if he doesn't quite recapture his former glory... But that type of well, and also who, imagine just, Oladipo and Delon Wright ball hawking defensively. Oh, for sure. And then uh, you know he could run pick and roll with Porzingis uh, as well. Like that, Oladipo would look great with a, a, a pick and pop guy, spread floor. You know that might be more realistic of the type of player that they would be going after than you know Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, or Giannis. I mean, I'm sure that the, they'll be dipping their toes in the Giannis waters, uh, no doubt. But I, I, I mean, who knows? Uh, I don't know who what the heck Giannis wants uh, at this point. Um, they also have Tim Hardaway, who has a $19 million player option for next year that he might make a decision on. To me, I, I would not necessarily be interested in sending him. He had, he had a nice year, but and was important for their offense, to be sure. And, and you know, I think he has a place on this team. But also, you just saw when they played the Clippers, he's trying to guard Kawhi Leonard or Paul George. It's just like, that's not going to work. Like he, that position, they just, I think they have to upgrade that with more defensively in the end and put him in more of a six-man role and pay him appropriate to a six-man role and really I, I would be extremely cautious if I were them about you know, maybe there's a thought that they might do the Dwight Powell with him where he's got the player option and they extend him afterwards but they really they can't afford to take on any more commitments that go past the summer of 2021 if they want to have max space in fact they're a little light to have it right now yeah exactly so I, I don't think they should push they should push too hard on that and if, let me ask you this would you be willing to because uh, remember their 2021 and 2023 picks are encumbered but they could after making this pick at the draft which projects for 20th overall right now they could make a trade with that at that point would you be willing to part with that pick to try to get someone maybe even someone going into the last year of their contract to get better this year or are you just going to chill with that I'd probably or chill this year. I guess next year. I, 20, I'd probably chill with it because I also like a lot of the filler salary that the Mavericks have. Other than you know, Dwight Powell is a talented role man, but all, you're also not trading Dwight Powell right now because he's injured and he's going to be injured for a while. So I, I it, it's possible and theoretically I support it, but I, I it's hard for me to put together what that trade would be. Maybe actually, if Hardaway opts in, it ends up being with him, but. I think it's more likely that they, especially because Dallas, the 2021 money is so on the edge that doing a temporary upgrade and giving up a first for it is, it, it's it's not really there for me. I agree with that. And I don't think they're ready to win a championship next season. You, you're going to need that cheap labor once 
Luka Doncic gets his extension. Exactly. And so, no, I, I, unless there's just really a player out there where it's like, you know, we could trade for Josh Richardson with the well, 20th pick or something. To, and, to and me, the way the other way that you would give that pick up is if you can get a player that's worth sacrificing your 21 space. So a player that, that can you think can solve your problem and you just do it a year early. But I don't know who that is. Yeah, yeah. But they're early enough in their life cycle here. I mean, that's the beauty of this, to be this good, uh, but also uh, to be able to plan for the future as well. And, you know, maybe a move like that is more likely to occur at the trade deadline. If you really are like, holy crap, we are ahead of schedule. We could win a championship this year. Porzingis and Doncic are just looking that good right now. Maybe you make a win-now move around the 21 trade deadline, but I think it's too early to do that at the draft this year. What, what Another thing to file away very faintly is if Dallas strikes out in 21, they could clear significant space in 22, not only because they have just some guys coming off the books like DeLon Wright and, and Finney Smith, but also because if the cap rises from that point and they could stretch Dwight Powell. And so I would, I think 21 is, should be the bullseye should be what they're focusing on. Theoretically, if it just really struck out and I don't know who that would be in 22, they could be the bell of a smaller ball then. Let's finish it out here with the Houston Rockets. And it's really just impossible to say with them at this point without knowing what happens in the playoffs. If there is a playoffs, they've got Mike D'Antoni, who's going to be a coaching free agent this summer pj tucker is extension eligible but he's going to be what 34 at the end of this contract that pays him 8 million next year uh that is they actually did decide to guarantee that but no pj tucker's turning 35 in a couple days he'll be 30 he'll be 36 at the end of this contract oof yeah so an extension there doesn't seem like an amazing idea maybe you do a one-year extension but that's and of course they got harden and westbrook we're going to be making each of them over 40 million dollars a season for the next three seasons after this one they've also got eric gordon whose extension kicks in that we talked about three years 55 million beyond this uh, and robert covington so it seems like at this point they just got a roll with this group that we never saw the end of the experiment for this small ball and maybe we'll get a definitive answer on whether that works or not but they're so expensive there's so many draft picks out into the future now that it's really going to be difficult for them to pivot at this point point. and if the mavericks want an example of why it's good to keep your draft picks houston the ones that you have left and it's justifiable that dallas gave those up for porzingis but houston young talent is just it's so bereft and some of that was upgrades some of that was also offloading salary and both of those things can be can be challenging for the long-term financial viability they just they just aren't they don't have any even innings eaters that are young hartenstein can kind of be a backup center but then maury has done a really good job over the years not uniformly but overall of finding players ben mclemore is a, a recent example austin rivers a couple of years before he has a player option so he can, i think they can do a decent job of that around this group but you have to do that every year because those players aren't going to sign long-term contract yeah and then of course uh, I mean, you you wrote about this with kelly eco i haven't had a chance to read the piece yet uh, but clearly finances are are gonna play into this quite a bit going forward yeah we had a funny exchange about uh 
he was talking about like, could this be a good, the 2020 offseason be a good time for aggressive teams? And I said, yeah, it could be, but I don't expect that to be the Rockets other than Maury just as being an aggressive GM, but they can't be aggressive spent. They won't be aggressive spenders because the practical thing is that Tillman Fertitta, especially even before this, had been so loath to deal with electric tax. They used the repeater tax as a fake boogeyman two years ago to avoid it. Then, you know, we're able to, for, for the, for the current season as well, I fully expect that to be the plan move forward, probably exacerbated and accelerated because of what, what is happening with his businesses. So yeah, I mean, theoretically, if they could, if, if it were permissible to use their full mid-level, maybe use some of these light trade exceptions they have, re-sign Austin Rivers with bird rights, then they would be a better team. But I just don't see that as realistic. Yeah, I agree with you. And they could even be looking at trying to cut salary. Um, and, and they're always, I mean, just to, they've got to do a better job and they can do a better job, I think. I mean, they've got, if you look at this team right now, they got Bruno Caboclo, Tavo Cephalosha, Tyson Chandler, Hartenstein, Chris Clemens. Those are just like completely wasted roster spots. And they've been wasted for nearly the entire season. Yeah, and remember they, they spent a lot of time with Gerald Green on the roster so that they could trade him and it would cost basically cost the least amount of money for the luxury tax purposes and that was a a dead roster spot after he was injured those sorts of moves made it a lot harder and that puts real real strain on on Harden and Westbrook and all their core players because there aren't players who can sop up the the minutes and have the team not just crater well the other thing that you ask yourself too is especially let's say this team and Tillman Fertitta really put a big bullseye on making it to the conference finals last year which they didn't even though they were probably the best team in the or the second best team in the west last year and so let's say they were just get a tough matchup and they lose in the first round this year or something like that or they go out in ugly fashion in the second round of the Clippers or the Lakers it seems like at that point especially given the expense of the roster that they might look into maybe moving Westbrook or Harden at that point if they or Fortuna become convinced that this group just isn't going to be in championship contention and the coaching situation could be there as well D'Antoni will want security even you know he's I believe 60 he'll be 69 this offseason and maybe Fertitta doesn't want to pay him maybe they it could be a year's issue rather than a dollar's issue but I think it's going to be both and you know that could that could affect this as well all right anything you want to talk about before we go here yeah I have that uh, two-piece series with Kelly Eco I believe part one is up uh, that was up on Wednesday I think part two is coming out on Friday uh, theathletic.com slash capspace have a bunch of other things in the works collaborative and solo also recorded a and released a real GM radio with uh, Euron Weitzman on, on Tanky to the Top, the book that he wrote on the process era Sixers and post Hinky as well. That's it, it, And so it was a fun conversation. I didn't, I wanted to talk more on the periphery of the book because I want people to actually read it, but it was, it was an interesting conversation. Yeah. And for me, Ben and I finished out the week on the COVID daily news with a discussion of a new study from the state of New York that concluded that as many as 20, 20% of people in New York had antibodies. Talked about another study study that showed or indicated i should say that there are a number of different strains of the virus uh, that could be more or less deadly and the usual news roundup uh, as well so i asked if you even if you're not a news person this is a great way to get your news and then go about your day you're probably like i'm sick of all this coronavirus stuff this is actually for people who are sick of it because i mean we do kind of all want to know what's going to happen and this is to try and give you the important news with 
respect to that question while not being too much of a burden or taking up too much of your time and that'll do it for us we'll be back on sunday night we'll also have a, a hollinger and duncan out then as well so we still uh, we still got content for you here and uh we appreciate those of you who are continuing to support us in these times talk to y'all soon